ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Hedging Screens podcast. As always, I'm your host, Zach Cronin, and I'm eternally grateful that you would choose to stream my words into your ears. I hope everybody is staying safe. I hope everybody is staying sane during these perpetually crazy times. Of course, practice physical and mental health, you know, just just do everything in your power to make sure that things are as normal as possible for you. I know that the NBA coming back is helping. Oh, excuse me. Holy shit. I know that the NBA coming back is helping a lot of people, myself included. Um, it's just nice to be able to watch some sort of sporting event and be confident that it's not going to shut down. This also applies to the folks who watch hockey out there. A lot of my friends are hockey fans and I mean, things are going well, I guess. I don't I don't really follow the NHL that much, but I know in the NBA bubble, things are going very smoothly. Um, a couple weeks ago, I believe Shams reported that there were, yet again, no positive COVID tests, which is always a great sign. Shows that the players, the league, everybody involved is practicing. I don't even I don't even know what to say. They're practicing quality protocols, I guess, and they're following it. And the players are the players are taking this seriously. Not like in baseball where guys are out fucking off and jeopardizing the rest of the league, but that's neither here nor there. So since we've last spoke, I believe since we've last spoke, yeah, the playoffs started playoffs started yesterday. So obviously, as I just spoiled, the playoffs have begun. The 2019-2020 NBA playoffs are finally upon us. And at the time of this recording, it is Tuesday. It is Tuesday morning, technically, 11.50 a.m. here on the East Coast, Monday. The first night of playoffs, first day of playoffs, I should say, featured four games and all of which were relatively thrilling. Um, really, uh, and it pains me to say this, but really the only game that sucked ass was <laughs> my Brooklyn Nets who got absolutely fucking throttled by the Toronto Raptors. Um, I didn't watch any of that game, fortunately. And I didn't miss much, so I guess I'm glad that I spent my time elsewhere. But just to uh, knock out all the games, winners of yesterday's contest, Celtics, Denver, the LA Clippers, and the Toronto Raptors, of course. Boston, Denver, and the Clippers all won by 10 points or less. Not combined, that's just each of their games ended with a margin of victory that was barely double digits. Denver was actually the only team or had the highest margin of victory with 10. And with that, I want to just predict how the first round of playoffs is going to play out, right? Now, there are games today. There are games tomorrow when this goes up. There are, I are pretty sure there are games every day for the first round. I don't know when it starts um, alternating. I think the NBA Finals, actually, is when there's the multiple days off in between. But... I'm going to start in the East. Now, today's schedule, and I mean today as in Tuesday. Let me just pull that up real quick if I could find it. Today's schedule, where the fuck is it at? Ah, here we go. So we have the Magic taking on the Bucks, the Miami Heat taking on the Indiana Pacers, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City is going up against Houston, and the nightcap is probably one of the more anticipated series. We have the Portland Trailblazers and the Los Angeles Lakers. So whatever happens in these games, 
probably is not going to sway my um, my decisions that much because it's only one game. And in the first round, I don't think that this year's crop of talent has, or I don't crop of teams, I should say, I don't expect there to be um, many upsets. And I'll get into this shortly. So let's start in the East just to make everything easier. If I could pull up a bracket here. Let me just head to the good old trusty search engine. I'm going to start with um, Milwaukee and Orlando. So this is going to be, how can I put this nicely? Orlando is going to get absolutely dominated by the Bucks. Series is, go. I'm predicting it to go no more than five games. Orlando may very well get swept. And it's not that Orlando is a bad team. They're decent, but we've seen what the Milwaukee Bucks can do. As long as Giannis and Chris Middleton are on the floor, of course. They're going to make quick work of this team. They are just so supremely talented. And it's going to get messy. It's going to get very messy. The same thing applies with, again, my Brooklyn Nets and the Toronto Raptors. I like to get on the internet and poke fun that the Nets are going to win this series in three games, and that is simply not the reality. And I'm using comedy to um, kind of mask my sadness behind this matchup because I know that it's not an advantageous one for my Brooklyn Nets. And it sucks, but that's the hand that they drew. And Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, those guys are going to end this series in realistically five games or less. I would be happy if Brooklyn stole a game, but if they didn't if they didn't steal game one, I don't think it's going to happen because Toronto is already in a rhythm. I mean, Van Vliet dropped 30 last night. He dropped 30 and 11, I believe. Um, it's just, it's going to get very messy. Now, the Boston and the Philly matchup is one that I'm rather intrigued with, more so with Philadelphia because they are without Ben Simmons and... They do not fare very well without Simmons in the lineup. And you kind of expect that because just because of the caliber player that Ben Simmons is. I mean, he's this just athletic freak who controls the pace of the game so well. And he's such a magnificent passer, and that offsets his inability to create on offense. Of course, he can bully his way to the rim, but in regards to shot creation, he doesn't really do much for himself. And then they're also missing his presence defensively. I mean, when this kid is on the court, he's arguably the best perimeter defender in the NBA. He's just so versatile. He's so strong, quick, athletic. All of these just insane traits that make him a menace on that end. And Philly missed him last night. They definitely missed him. The final score of their game was 101-109. It was 100 and Boston put up 109. Philly mustered 101. So I have the box score in front of me. Embiid, of course, showed up, dropped 26-16. and 16. Um, same goes for Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris. They played solid games as well. Um, the shooting could have been a little bit better, but I think they'll develop a rhythm a little bit later on in the series. Now, Boston is clearly the favorite. I think that Boston is going to win this in six or seven games because there is no Ben Simmons. That means there is no one to guard Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And as we saw last night or yesterday, those two are a problem for Philly. 
They combined for, what is that, 61 points, if my math is correct? Let's see. 32 and 29 is 61. Well, look at that. I am a genius, guys. I can do basic arithmetic in my head. Who would have thought? And combine this with Kemba Walker, who... Kemba is a very enigmatic player because he is undeniably an elite point guard, but this season just doesn't seem very memorable. It doesn't... It's not one of his better performances, and... I think it's because he landed in a better situation with Boston where he's got other guys to help carry the offense. And Tatum and Brown are undeniably the two go-to guys for Boston going forward. They've got the rhythm. They've got the talent. They're going to dictate the outcome of this series. If they play well, it's a wrap for Philly. If they fall off later on, they might be okay as long as Kemp Walker picks up this light. But I'm looking at the box score here. And something that is very um, noticeable to me is that Boston's bench did not do much yesterday. So the leading scorer off the bench was Brad Wanamaker with four points. Then you have the Time Lord, Robert Williams with two, and then Marcus Smart with two. Now, to Brad Stevens' credit, he did not work with the deep rotation yesterday. Marcus Smart was the only reserve to play more than 20 minutes, and he clocked in at just under 32. So suffice to say that Brown, Tatum, Walker, and Smart are going to get the lion's share of the minutes. Gordon Hayward played a lot as well, and those five guys are going to be the difference makers. Mostly Brown and Tatum, but the other guys are going to have to do their part. That means Gordon Hayward is going to have to miss shots. I mean, make shots, and actually, hold on. Has there been a development on his injury? I'm just going to run over to Twitter real fast and see what's going on. Because I remember getting that notification that Hayward got stretchered off the court. Let's see. Gordan, idiot. Fucking can't even spell right. Oh, yeah. So he's going to be out for a little bit dealing with the right ankle sprain. So... Even more of a reason for Kemba Walker and everybody else to step up, really. Now, Hayward hasn't been the same since he suffered that catastrophic injury, and expectedly so, right? I mean, that shit was so just... I I can't even find the words to describe it. It was just so catastrophic. And I could only imagine what it did to him psychologically. But ever since that point, he just hasn't been the same. And it's persisted for a couple of years now. If Boston wants to... They can't even make quick work of the Sixers because the Sixers are a quality team. If they want to come out victorious, which I believe they have the talent to do so, they're going to need more from Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart. They're just going to have to because... I'm. I remain very not confident in Philadelphia. I just, I don't think they have it. The way the roster is constructed, and I've talked about this with everybody, the way the roster is constructed is not conducive to success with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. The lack of shooting, the lack of shot creation is just a mess. They really, they really fucked themselves over by getting rid of Jimmy Butler and letting JJ Redick walk. It's just, it's it's the reality. I don't know if they'll be able to overcome that anytime soon. So I am rocking with Boston, but 
especially considering the Gordon Hayward injury, Philly could have a chance to pull up the quote-unquote upset. I really don't want to call it an upset because, again, Philly is a quality team. But they are ranked lower in the standings. So it technically would be an upset, but whatever. I'm not going to get into the semantics of all of it. Now, as we shift gears to Indiana, Miami, this might be the best series of the postseason, right? I feel very confident saying that. If not the entire postseason, definitely in the East because if we just shift over to the, to the standings, right? Miami and Indiana are two of the most evenly matched teams in the conference. There is one game separating them, the four and five seeds. Indiana. What Indiana has accomplished this season is nothing short of miraculous. They were not... They were without the Victor Oladipo of old for a majority of the season. Malcolm Brogdon stepped up. DeMontis Sabonis stepped up. Miles Turner stepped up. All these guys came together and with the leadership of Nate McMillan emerged as a very, very good team in the East. They should not be slept on. Do I think they're going to beat the Miami Heat? No, I don't think so. Miami has more talent. JB, Bam, Kendrick Nunn. I think they'll be able to get the better of Indiana, at least on offense. Defensively, we'll see what happens. But Miami has the bodies to go head-to-head with Indiana, and I think they have a slight edge in that department. Also, Eric Spolstra is a phenomenal coach. I don't, I don't want to underrate him. He's going to play a big part in this series as well. He'll have to make adjustments to combat the front court that Indiana trots out there. Even with all that said, I'm still leaning toward Miami. This series, I would be shocked if it went less than seven games. That's how That's how just solid both of these teams are from top to bottom. They don't have many noticeable holes, and the holes they do have are not glaring. I am a little... I don't want to... I don't know how to... I don't know how to put this, but like Indiana, their offense just doesn't really do it for me I mean it's okay it's passable but if the games do lean towards being shootouts Miami will definitely get the better of them if the Pacers can contain the heat and play a slower game they they may very well advance to the second round I'm picking Miami definitely but I would not be shocked if the Pacers came through so just to summarize the East I have Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, and Indiana all advancing. And those are the top four seeds, right? The West is not as black and white to me. The West, as we know, much more competitive, right? The East has Milwaukee and Toronto up top, but beyond that, there's such a sizable drop-off. And we know the West is competitive because they they had like four teams fighting for the eighth seed. And even seeds two through seven, there what there's not that much space between them. I mean, there's I mean, six games is kind of a lot, but kind of not really, I guess. At least compared to the East, where there's twenty, right? Of course, it's all relative. There we go. So, I will start at the bottom or at the top. I don't know. Is it the top? It's technically the top and the bottom because it's the first seed and the eighth seed. Fuck it. I'll start with the Lakers. 
<laughs> just just to make it easy. So tonight, Tuesday, we have the Los Angeles Lakers going up against the Portland Trailblazers. And I want to say this right away. The Lakers have not impressed me. LeBron, AD, I don't know what's going on with that team, but they look lost. Like, I, I saw them as a contender for a lot of the season, and of course that was tied with their depth, right? They don't have Rajon Rondo right now. They don't have Avery Bradley, but the team just does not... They don't look like the 56 or however many 52 win Lakers. They, they just don't look like it. And it worries me. It really does worry me because they're going up against a very scrappy Blazers team. And the Blazers have proven themselves so far. Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard is going to torch the Lakers defense. I could say this confidently because I don't know if Frank Vogel wants LeBron James to check Dame. And there is nobody else on that roster who can handle him. Don't believe me? That's fine. Let's look at the roster. So they have, who's the main guard, right? Alex Caruso. Right? Yeah, Alex Caruso. Danny Green. KCP. Dion Waiters. Quinn Cook. None of these guys are going to even think about slowing down Damian Lillard. It's just, it's it's simply not going to happen. And then you have CJ McCollum. That's another guy. Then you have Yusuf Nurkic, the third guy who has been phenomenal. Phenomenal. Shout out to, shout out to Yusuf Nurkic. He needs a little bit more recognition. This man, he is very appropriately nicknamed the Bosnian Beast. And then there's Carmelo Anthony. Barmelo's Anthony, if you will. And then Gary Trent has been automatic since the bubble reopened. Let's uh, actually, I'm going to pull up Gary Trent's numbers. He's been lights out. I mean, even for the season, he's at 42% from three. Let's just go to his game log real quick. Since coming into the bubble, Gary Trent is shooting 50.7% from three. I don't know if the Blazers are going to upset the Lakers. Just simply because of the fact that the Lakers have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the Blazers do not. However, I think it's very possible. It's very possible that the Lakers get bounced in the first round. Uh, I think it's it's probably 60-40 that they do and they don't. And maybe I'm just being a little hyperbolic. Maybe I'm just trying to say hot takes to get people mad and to, you know, have this moment go viral, but I'm very worried about the Lakers. I'm very, very worried about them. As I said before, they just, they don't, they look like an an entirely different team. And if they're not able to contain Portland's offense, it's going to get very ugly, very quickly. And I know it's, you really shouldn't bet against LeBron, especially in the first round, because he's never been he's never been beaten in the first round. I'm not picking Portland to upset the Lakers. I think the Lakers get by in six or seven games. I do, however, think there's the chance 
that we see a repeat of what happened, what was it, like 13, 13 or so years ago when the um, the We Believe Warriors bounced the 67-win Dallas Mavericks in the first round? We could see that. We could see that. And again, I know no Lakers fan wants to think about it, but it's a possibility. So I am rolling with the Lakers, but kind of reluctantly, as weird as that is to say. And with that, I'm going to move on to the second seed, the Clippers, who are going up against the Dallas Mavericks. That was a phenomenal game on Monday night. It was just, it was chef's kiss. Just top to bottom, wire to wire, first quarter to fourth quarter, a fantastic basketball game. Lucas showed up. Granted, he wasn't at his best. He had 11 turnovers. He finished one assist and three rebounds shy of a quadruple double. He did, however, drop 42 on 62% shooting, so the kid just continues to be a fucking monster. There is simply no other way to describe him than just a fucking monster. He is from a different planet. He is not of this world. Wherever he was created, that's the same lab where they created LeBron, the same lab where they created Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, all those guys. They're from the same lab. I don't know on what planet it's located, but... It's somewhere out there in the universe. And this is another team whom I think has a shot to upset the higher seed. The Mavericks have a fantastic offense. Luka is, of course, the catalyst of it. But, oh, excuse me. But you can't forget about KP, who was wrongly ejected last night. I mean, that call was, I think LeBron said it was bogus, and it kind of was. It was. It just like it's the playoffs. Let the guys get into it a little bit. I mean, if they're not, as long as they're not throwing hands and all that shit, let them just, just let them have it out. You know, it's competitive. The game was very intense, very intense. So I'm not surprised that tempers flared a little bit. But just, just let him play. And when KP's on the court, he's proven to be a legitimate number two guy to Luka Doncic. Tim Hardaway played well last night. Kind of. You know, shooting was a little off, but still put up 18. Pretty decent. Um, I know Seth Curry can go off. Trey Burke could make... Trey Burke can get hot very quickly. That's another guy to look out for. And I think offensively, they have enough to go up against the Clippers. It's on the other end of the court where I'm very skeptical. Very skeptical of Dallas's ability to rise to the occasion. So, Los Angeles... The Clippers are probably the best defensive team in the NBA. Dallas is not. Dallas cannot defend for shit. You could pick me and five other dudes with podcasts, and we might be able to put 80 points on the Dallas Mavericks because I don't know what it is. I think it's their youth more than anything. They just they can't defend yet. And if the Clippers take advantage of that, they'll come out on top relatively easily. If the games are shootouts, kind of like what we saw last night, Dallas has a very high probability of advancing to the next round. Again, this is the same situation with the Lakers and Blazers. I'm rolling with the Clippers. I think the Clippers are just more talented. And in the early stages of the postseason, that's enough to get by. Especially when they're going up against a young team like this. I mean, you've got Kawhi, a two-time Finals MVP. You've got Paul George, experienced, tenured, has been to the playoffs multiple times. Went to the Eastern Conference Finals way back, like seven or eight years ago, I think it was. I mean, he's been on the big stage. He knows how to get it done. Same thing with Lou Williams, another veteran. He knows what it takes to win playoff games. 
that's an intangible that is very valuable, especially for a veteran team. So Dallas is already at a disadvantage. And it does not matter how spectacular Luka Doncic is. If they are unable to defend at all in this series, they're going to get sent home. And I think it's just the harsh reality that they're faced with. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, this is a young team. They are... It's kind of impressive that they even made it to this spot. Like, they've been just sensational all year long. Shout out to Dallas, but I'm not I'm not too confident. Actually, you wanna I'm not I don't want to say I'm not confident in them. I just like the Clippers more. I think the Clippers have a significant talent advantage, and that's enough at this stage. Now, Denver and Utah, I'm kind of in the same boat as with the Clippers and the Mavericks because Utah, although Donovan Mitchell, again, Donovan Mitchell looked like Luka Doncic last night. He looked like a shorter more muscular Luka put up 57 I think it was 57 points like eight rebounds and seven assists or something ridiculous like that Denver just has more talent at this point I mean it was a 10 point win and Mitchell still had almost 60 points when you get Jokic Murray uh who is even like Michael Porter Jr. had an off night compared to how he was playing at the beginning of the bubble Monte Morris went off. Jeremy Grant went off. The Denver Nuggets just have a better, more talented team. And it sucks because Denver is without Michael Conley. And that's a tremendous blow to them. So Joe Ingles and Bojan Bogdanovic are going to have to be more involved in the offense. As is Jordan Clarkson. As is Rudy Gobert. But those guys, they just... They don't, they're not in the same league as someone like Jamal Murray, right? They're not in the same league as someone like Michael Porter Jr. when he's hot. As weird as that is to say because Porter is a rookie and everybody else are veterans. Denver is just more talented. And I think they have I think they're gonna come out on top because of that. Are they gonna sweep the Utah Jazz? No. Series Michael seven games. But I'm expecting Denver to come out on top. Now, ugh, heavy exhale, as you can hear. With very similarly to the Pacers and Heat, we have a four seed going up against a five seed in the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> Oklahoma City is here somehow. I mean, I've gushed about them repeatedly. They are phenomenal. Billy Donovan is fantastic. Fan-fucking-tastic. And these two teams have the same record. James Harden has been on a tear thus far. Russell Westbrook, when he was healthy, was continuing to play the best basketball of his career. But there are still a lot of concerns about the micro ball that the Houston Rockets play. And when they go up against the Thunder, they are going to go up against Steven Adams, who is a mammoth on the block, on the glass, everywhere. He is going to be a handful for someone like P.J. Tucker or Daniel House to go up against. Not only that, there's Danilo Gallinari, there's Chris Paul, there's Dennis Schroeder. There are all these guys who work in concert to produce a very well-balanced offense. Houston is quite literally the opposite of the Oklahoma City Thunder. The offense runs through James Harden, and 
when he's going, they're on a different plane. But if he gets into trouble, th- things could get messy. And we've seen it happen in the past. We've seen the Rockets go cold and there's no one to dig them out of the hole. Russell Westbrook might be able to do that this year, but we'll have to see we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. I'm going to pick the Oklahoma City Thunder in seven games. I'm just so impressed with them, with how poised they are, with how unselfish they are, with how how strong their bonds are, despite many of these guys not having a lot of time alongside each other. It's remarkable, and I think that they pushed through to the second round because of it. If Houston had the same team as three years ago, I mean, well, they're not, first of all, they're not the four seed, if that's the case, but... That's a different team that would be able to match up quite well against the Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't see it now. I think that Oklahoma City has a bit more collective talent than Houston does. Of course, they have an MVP candidate, and that's great. But beyond that, the roster is very, I don't want to say shaky because they have a bunch of role players who who fill their roles very well, but Oklahoma City just... I just, I just think they're better. I really do. I think they're better. And the records show that, if anything, these teams are about the same. They're both 44 and 28. There's really not much of a gap between it, between them. Um, overall, I'm very impressed with how the um, just the playoffs have begun. It's a lot of competitive basketball, and that's really all you can ask for in the postseason. It sucks when you have these teams that just beat the shit out of their opponents. And of course you're going to get games like that. I mean, we had the Raptors do it to the Nets last night. The Bucks are probably going to do it to the Magic tonight. But other than that, there are a lot of well-balanced teams. I mean, these series for the most part are they're going to be highly competitive. There are going to be a lot of moments where it's like back and forth. It's like, "Okay, so the Lakers are playing well. Maybe they'll maybe they'll sweep Portland or, you know, Portland gets hot and I don't know, can they upset the Lakers in 7 games?" Like I, I'm expecting a lot of those moments, and I'm I'm very excited to sit down and watch watch NBA basketball, NBA playoff basketball again. Even if my team, my Brooklyn Nets, are going to get shit on and bounced in the first round, it was it was it was never about this year anyway, guys. I hate to break it to you, but it was always about next year. Uh, I really don't know where to go from here. And have anything else on the agenda? I really just wanted to talk about the um, the postseason and make all my picks and see what happens. I really don't have much to say about the games from last night because analyzing them is fun and all, but I feel like I didn't watch enough of each game to get an appropriate read. As I said, I don't watch any of the Nets game because clearly there was nothing to watch. The Jazz game, again, I missed... I caught bits and pieces of it, but I missed the end when Jamal Murray went off. Like, it was just very difficult getting my schedule to work out, but I'm trying to fix that going forward. And I think that is going to wrap up today's episode. I mean, I don't really have anything else to cover. There's not really much going on at this point outside of the playoffs. So, as always, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review, all that good shit. And I will see you guys next week.